It was really strange. You have two different... I was reading about tips yesterday a lot. I read several articles about tips. I was thinking about doing an article on it. I decided not to. Mm. And apparently, people in the United States in certain circumstances are tipping as much as 25%. Wow. 25%. We have this compound WeChat groups because we have... For our listeners who are not very familiar, like most city living people live in apartment compounds. And those are not government projects, which I think I talked about that cost me great confusion when I first moved to the United States. So the compound service people would send in job fair information to the group from time to time. And then I remember this one time he sent in um, a document saying, oh, there's another job fair happening. And it's, you know, the, the residents get the first hand, like you get this notice first so you can go. And then some residents were just like, those jobs pay too little. Nobody should go for these jobs. Welcome to The Bridge. Fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Welcome to The Bridge. My name is Jason Smith. If you like the show, please remember to subscribe. Today with me is Alex Schur. Hello, everybody. This is Alex. Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. While there are nine and a half million jobs in the U.S. with no qualified applicants, there are five and a half, 5.6 million working age Americans who have given up on getting a job. Mm. What? Who doesn't have a job? A recruiter asked at a Pittsburgh Institute of Aeronautics in Maryland. Who doesn't? Because I have a job for you. According to the AP Press, we discuss the complicated U.S. job market and ask if there are too many workers and too many jobs is the issue that the jobs are simply not paying workers enough. What do you think, Alex? Probably. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, let's all go home now. Yeah, I'm like, can I have better options? Yes, I'm not going to take your job. Then that job becomes vacant. Yeah, and a huge amount of these jobs are in the service industry, and they are minimum wage jobs at like diners and things like that, Mm. where, you know, people have been complaining that I'm surviving on tips, and people are being underpaid and expect to rely on the kindness of strangers to survive, basically. And people are more stingy with tips, so you can't really survive on tips anymore. (laughs) It was really strange. You have two different... I was reading about tips yesterday a lot. I read several articles about tips. I was thinking about doing an article on it. I decided not to. Mm. And apparently... Apparently, people in the United States in certain circumstances are tipping as much as 25%. Wow. 25%. So you buy something in, okay, say, let's say you're a foreigner. Mm. You come from the UK, right? Whatever. They don't have tax on stuff. You know, it's just, that's the price. You go show up in America, you're expected to pay tax, which is like, I don't know, nine or 10%, depending on the state. Then you have to pay 25%. You're almost paying like 35 to 40% more for a given item. Yeah. Than you would back home. So American menus are like a scam. <laughs> Sorry. I am so happy to not having to take pay tips anymore. <laughs> I'm just kind of like, I remember always having to think about, always having to do math every time I go eat out or go to a bar. I'm like, I'm here to relax. I'm not here to do math. And then there's mm. one place, a couple places in China that, you know, one of the places being that one spot I go to all the time. If you look at the bill, it does say service tax and whatever other taxes but sometimes yeah but that's actually reverse calculated into the price of the item 
Oh, yeah, in China. I'm yeah, so you already know what you're paying for when you look at the menu. If it says 80 kwai, then the 80 kwai includes like tax and service uh, service fee. So why can't we just make things easier and then not make it arbitrary? Like, I do I right. do you feel like if you tip more, do you feel like a better person? If you tip less, yeah, I have a good idea about this, Alex. I was thinking about this. Ooh, spill. Why don't we just pay workers good enough? So exactly. We to, I think we've like, talked. Rely on random. Okay, you charge. Let's say you charge seven ninety nine for the eggs with hash browns. Okay, great. Mm. Now you have to pay all these tips and stuff. Okay, just charge ten bucks. Mm. And give two more dollars to the service person for that item. You know, we've talked about this before on how people don't have to tip here in China, but the service people still get quite decent wage out of what yeah, they do. Pay. They get paid. Yeah, and they get housing, they get food, they get everything. It's also like a gamble. Did you ever see Reservoir Dogs with, uh, you know, Quentin Tarantino's the beginning of the movie? I don't think so. <laughs> well, what, well, in the beginning of Reservoir Dogs, the first five minutes is unlike the rest of the movie. It's just a bunch of guys, mm. but you know, they're gangsters because the movie goes on. But it's just a bunch of guys sitting around a table arguing about whether or not they should have to tip. Mm. And, you know, sometimes people don't tip and sometimes people get lucky and they get big tips. But you have what you have is you're basically relying on society to determine whether or not you're going to be able to pay your rent and for your childcare. Your job should pay you enough so that you don't even need to be tipped. A tip should be something that someone gives someone because, wow, that was you did an outstanding job yeah. way above the call of duty. Here's a little bit of extra money. Instead, everyone just is automatically required a tip, which does not show any gratuity, graciousness, right? That's the root of that word. Yeah. Like it doesn't show that you're appreciating their service. It just shows that you agreed to the societal definition wherein you have to pay this other person's bills because their boss is not paying them enough. Yeah. And if you pay under 10% or lower than 10%, you will probably get chased. The chances are you're going to get chased by the restaurant owner to ask you to pay more or giving getting attitude from the server themselves. Then why don't you just make the 10%, just calculate that 10% into the bill and then everybody yeah, is happy. And then here's my thing. When I first went to the States, it was really hard for me to just always cater to waiters coming over asking me how's the food because i magically <laughs> jason magically every time they come over to ask me a question or asking me if i need a refill on my water i always manage to have a mouthful of food or i'm like <laughs> no, that's a good strategy if i watch for people with no, it's really food, embarrassing hey do you need anything no okay bye yeah it's really embarrassing they're like oh how's the food i was like oh, it's good <laughs> i'm like Stop interrupting me. I just want to have my meal with my friends. Oh, yeah. You're listening to The Bridge. Well, I have four sets of articles here, or four articles, mm. rather. And the first one and two are going to tell us about how there are too many jobs and too few qualified applicants. So that's one narrative. And maybe we can mesh them together. Maybe we mm. can't. Articles three and four are going to show us how elderly Americans can't retire and are work returning to workforce to make ends meet. Let's get into this and see what's going on. Yes. This is the the first one has to do with uh, we were talking about this about airplane mechanics. <laughs> know any airplane mechanics? A wave of retirements is leaving some U.S. industries desperate to hire. This is from AP News, June second. Mm. So in this, this is about a uh, and a recruiter and says there are so many jobs for airplane mechanics that if you go and take a course in becoming an airplane mechanic, people will snatch you up right away. Yeah. They'll immediately have a job for you. You'll be able to get a job 
instantaneously that pays more than minimum wage plus tips. Mm. And then it's very, like I said, it's very, very secure. Yeah. I mean, that's the kind of job that you're proud to have. Don't you, what do you do? I'm an airplane mechanic. Don't you, make, don't you make feel, reputable. don't you feel cool? I, I mean, I see people, you know, every day you go, we go to work, we get on the subway or the cab or the bus and we get to, we just swipe, we're going to the office building, office building, that's it. I imagine for an airplane mechanic, he would have to go to the airport first, and then they would probably have to be transported to their actual working location by a little shuttle bus, and then you have to go through security, and then you scan, and then you do all of these procedures, and then you get to your workplace, and your working object is a giant airplane. That's pretty that cool. sounds exciting. But you also made me think about all the time it takes to get there. I hope they're getting a good salary instead of hourly wages, because getting through all that security, they better be yeah, paid that definitely. That has to be calculated into their working hours unless it's like hey it's ed come on through yeah. you know that, kind of, that could be come could to be my different. plane first know. jason and then go to your plane and then we'll see how many hours you work today and if, if i was an airplane mechanic i don't think i could be an airplane mechanic alex i know this isn't really what we're supposed to be talking about but what if something went wrong and then it was my fault and people's lives I know. were I, I could not handle a job where I was required to make sure that people were safe and then they something went wrong. I wouldn't be able to live with myself. Yeah, I think with, it's always like that. With great fun, it comes with great responsibility. Like, say, if you're a, a diving, skydiving coach, you get to yeah. realize Ooh. people's dreams of, like, you know, flying in the sky and taking videos for them. And you could do it for free because you love it because I don't think that's a job you can take if you're just trying to make the money you have to love skydiving but also mm. that extreme fun comes with extreme possibilities as well like there has been a case where like if someone either gets really injured or even you know worst case lose their life on your watch then how do you live with that i also don't want to pack my own shoot i know they say oh you have to pack your own shoot because they want to make sure that you know that your shoot is i safe. don't know how to pack it i, I don't <laughs> i know they're supposed to give me a course on how to pack my shoot but what i feel like i always screw stuff up when i'm like hooking up a vcr or whatever it it's like if I got to pack oh, my own shoot, I know I'm going to I know I'm going so <laughs> to miss some kind of step and something's not going to be right. And then I'm going to be dying in the air and I'm going to be like, damn it. This is my fault. I missed some step. That my we're God. Talking about. <laughs> and then and then that was the moment when you're okay, like, this is morbid. I'm sorry. I'm yeah, sorry. that's the moment where you're like, I wish they could. I totally agree. This is it's just that it's the case. If it's really stable and it's really it's the same thing with the government jobs as well. You know, like it's very very stable it's very secured and it seems mm -hmm. trivial but it actually is very meaningful to a lot of people's lives right yeah yeah you know even if you have a job as a bureaucrat where you're just stamping stuff you know like when you look at someone's document you're deciding whether or not their life is going to go smoothly i mean that that's a lot of responsibility right there yeah maybe there's some step they missed because they didn't fill out box 17 but now you have to like deny them like medicaid like oh oh uh oh my job says i have to deny this person's medicaid because they missed box 17 but now you may be actually putting their life in jeopardy there are lots <laughs> of jobs that are very stressful yeah but Okay, I know we started talking about this because of the, the working nature of uh, an right, airplane right. mechanics, but there's a lot of uh, protocols that are put in place to make sure that the, their job is safely, you know, performed and right, and right. it's still a very, very safe check job. Check this, yes, check this. Yes, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're all safe on your own. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Actually, I'm flying very, very, very soon. I'm excited. I'm flying up to a very high altitude. I will be in Laza and I've been preparing for that. So, oh, you know, my goodness. I just flew back from Sanya and it was, you know. 
Ooh, was that your first time? No, it was my third time actually, but that was my first time trying to surf. That's why I, I thought of the example of a skydiving co coach because I was going to say surfing coach, but surfing coaches in Sanya was so different from what I thought they would be doing. I thought they would take people out in the deep sea and they have to be there ready to rescue them. But most of them, their job is just to be very close to the beach and push the board so people could try to stand up on it and that's it. <laughs> I don't know. I got all my surf training from watching uh, Point Break 1980s or whatever with that's uh, with uh, Keanu Reeves. Oh, I was about to joke on how old that was. But if it's Keanu Reeves, I'll check it out. <laughs> Patrick Swayze and Keanu okay. Reeves. So if you if you're into blondes or brunettes, you, you got, got we got both for you in that one. <laughs> and they're young. Yeah. Ooh, so they're OK. Like OK. I have prime. to watch it tonight. Like both ripped. They both have the six pack. It's the perfect combination for the young ladies. But also Sold. it's Sold, a, sold, I, Jason. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. You're listening to The Bridge. Moving on. So it, it talks about in this article that in aeronautics specifically, and I don't want to stay fo too focused on aeronautics, mm. Mindy Pavlonis, Associate Director of Career Services for the Aeronautics Institute, noted that entry level jobs have jumped from 18 to upper 20s an hour. So I guess mm. $27, $28 an hour to go become an airplane mechanic. So some people out there, they're like, oh, I can't get a job. Maybe this is something that you could look into. You go and get a trade. Six months later, fixing airplanes, there are people you're working with to make sure that it's safe. Yeah. And but, you know, yeah, I think it's a mismatch. That's what we have in the United States is a mismatch between the kind of jobs that are being offered service jobs mm. and the kind of jobs people want these kind of jobs. Yes, that's uh, actually I think it, to an extent it's kind of uh, the same in China as well. You know, we have this compound WeChat groups because we have, for our listeners who are not very familiar, like most city living people live in apartment compounds and those are not government projects, which I think I talked about that caused me great confusion when I first moved to the United States. The compound we live in is a very nice compound and there's a WeChat group with I think 490 people or something that's all residents so that we can all stay uh, informed if they have any updates or if someone has something to complain, we can just talk about it in the group so the compound service people would send in job fair information to the group from time to time and then i remember this one time he sent in um, a document saying oh there's another job fair happening and it's you know the the residents get the first hand like you get this notice first so you can go and then some residents were just like those jobs pay too little nobody should go for these jobs oh yeah when it's all service jobs and it does pay it didn't pay that much it's like four thousand quid per month which is like what five hundred dollars or $400. That's too little. Well, you know, I think a lot of it is about not being informed. And I'd have to say I am 100% guilty of this. I was 20 years old and thinking, well, I should have gone to college. So I did. And that was the wrong decision. Now, honestly, the right decision, if I had known better, but I didn't, mm. was to like get some kind of six month credential in some sort of like trade mm. and then go to work in a trade. And by now I would be like, you know, just barbecuing all the time and happy and have everything <laughs> paid off. Like the really that's if you're a young person that's what you should do you should go get yourself like uh don't think about oh fancy books and whatever and living in the library that's you know that's a pipe dream what you really should be doing is getting a good job like a factory job maybe even a union if you're in the united states mm. those kind those really kind of like you know blue collar jobs they pay well and they have great benefits usually anyways moving yes. on 
This is from the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, Understanding America's Labor Shortage. And it mentions the same same statistic I just mentioned. Oh, it's a little bit different. The latest data shows uh, that we have 9.9 million job openings in the U.S., but only 5.8 million unemployed workers. So you have tons of openings mm. and you have tons of unemployed people <laughs> and they're not getting together. <laughs> that's like saying that's like saying there's a lot of single guys, there's a lot of single girls, but they can't. Right. Yeah. Be, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, be with each other. I think we, our recent topics are very similar, has a lot to do mm. with this. It's what people are really looking for and what these jobs are really offering. Mm. According to this, too, there's 1.8 million missing workers, labor force participation. That's not including. So if you just subtracted out, if you could just give all those jobs to those people, you'd have 4.2 million jobs left over. Mm. According to the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, you also have 1.8 million people who are just like, nah, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing anything. I'm just going to live in mom's house play video games and that's yeah. it mom's got plenty of yeah. money i'm fine mom makes dinner every night <laughs> yeah and mom is mom has saved up this house for me and mom has mom has a couple of properties and i can just live on rent for the rest of my life right yeah mom mom said it's fine mom sounds she amazing she loves me <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> By the way, you have the coolest mom ever. Yeah, pretty much. Can I be her daughter as well? But it's funny because there are people who are, there are cases like this that are getting media attention as well, uh, internationally and also domestically here in China. There's a group, of, there's a young couple who saved up 3 million kwai and they moved to a really small wow. city. They moved to a really small wow. city and they bought a house with a very small portion of that money. And then they yeah, used yeah. the rest for, and then they put some in like a fund or some sort of like safe investment and that generates sure, yeah. enough in, enough money interest every month for them to just live in that small city and they did the calculation they're like we are f set for the rest of our lives yeah. so actually they just stole my entire plan. and they stopped working <laughs> Yeah, and that's why, you know, we bought a house in Wuhan. Mm. It's exactly it. We have enough money right now almost mm. to just be like retired. We're just like working until we get pension and stuff. You know, if that's what you can do in China. If you're if you're living in a giant city like Chongqing, Beijing, Shenzhen, uh, you have a ton of money. Mm. A lot of these people are already returning to the countryside because they take some of the money they have and they can buy a house really cheap and then they can open a business really cheap and they can just be like the coolest business in town. Yeah. And so that's what's happening in China right now. Now, that is the trend. Yeah. My best friend from college, she used to be a brand manager, whatever, marketing manager for this really fairly big Chinese clothing brand. And it's a very high concept brand as well. It's not just like all about money and selling. But apparently that job made her feel like she's really limiting what her life could be. So she yeah. quit. There's a word in China that we use. We call it quit naked, like meaning you don't have a next job or, wow. or something safe that you could fall on. Uh, but you you just hate it so much you just quit so she worked in pr and then she worked in curating and then she worked for this mm -hmm. marketing and uh brand thing for this big chinese uh, high concept fashion brand all of that and it looks pretty good right mm -hmm. and then she quit her job in i think september last year and she just messaged me she was like i just quit naked this is a term that we use as a way of saying mm -hmm. quitting a job How do you say that in chinese Luo -ci. Luo -ci means quit naked yeah quitting. like naked like i quit my job with quitting with no plan pretty much or quitting with no secure like anything secured like I don't have an next job lined up. I don't have a safety net to fall back on. But well, what is she doing? So she was doing something. Uh, she started her own tea thing, like a tea brand, just casually selling stuff. From you know, if she has it, she says she sells it. If she doesn't, she it's whatever. So she kind of just decided to focus on her tea brand, um, hmm. and she sources her tea from Wuyishan in Fujian province. 
right? Mm. Um, and recently, the other day, she was like, okay, big news. I'm moving to Wuyishan. I was like, you don't want to live in Shanghai anymore. She's like, no, I'm actually 80% through with my apartment housing process. And she sent me the photos and it's a two-floor big apartment with, with wow. three bedrooms and whatever, whatnot. And then she said, look at the look at the rent. And it says 1300 per month. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> and then she said, oh, okay, I thought about it. If I could just take one gig every year, the amount of money could get paid. Just a small gig could pay for my entire living expense. And she's like, if you come here, I could even support you. You don't have to do anything. I was like, that sounds like an amazing plan. <laughs> <laughs> well, Alex, I guess the next time we talk to you, you'll be in Fujian. Yeah, probably. You know, I there's a famous influencer I follow. His name is Jason Lightfoot. He did the same thing. He made enough money. I think he's from England. Then he, But he's married to a Chinese lady. And they made just a reasonable amount of money. And then they went to the, a, you know, a third, fourth tier city in China. And they just bought a giant two-story home. And now they're basically semi-retired. Oh, see, that's, that's such an amazing plan. Okay, now we sound like we're encouraging people to, well, not, you know, <laughs> to I, not work. I mean, I think what people should do whatever they're going to do. But I want to bring this back to America. Yeah. The thing of why this does not work in America is the city, the countryside, mm -hmm. both are expensive. You know, America, oh, really? Kentucky, it's, both are expensive. Countryside is yeah. expensive? I didn't know that because I've, I've never lived well, in a countryside. This has changed since 2019 because everyone went started doing remote work and stuff. Oh, people started it's being gentrified. The whole entire of America is expensive everywhere now oh no. i mean if you want to move to like sure the rockies and put a trailer in the middle of your acre <laughs> that you bought like or idaho or something yeah in the middle of nowhere where you don't even have neighbors you might get a reasonable discount on the property yeah but if you're living anywhere that like people want to live you know in the countryside or in the city it's expensive it's not the same dynamic so you can't just run away to the countryside in america it doesn't work oh yeah i mean it makes sense that and, and then a lot of programs are being you know they're developers who go to the countryside and buy land and they're like oh this is going to be a what do you call that a digital nomad camp like you can just come here and right. work remote <laughs> but a lot of companies now are asking people to return to office full time so we'll see how that works mm -hmm. out people are having mm -hmm. so much opposition to it i saw an article yesterday that said that silicon valley has had it and they're going to make people come to work at least three days a week and i was like what that is not <laughs> that's not had what it. have we become <laughs> yeah this man i got into the wrong profession yeah I, like those digital people with their like free starbucks on campus and stuff oh, yeah. you're listening to the bridge Okay, I want to talk about this U.S. Chamber of Commerce. They have their own reasons that they list for the America's labor shortage. So I want to read a couple yeah. of them. One of them is an increase in savings. Mm. So they're saying that uh, enhanced employment benefits, stimulus checks, et cetera, are making it so that people don't, they don't need to work as much. They have some, a little bit of money. And I don't know if that sounds right. I feel like that needs more research. So if you guys disagree, please email us at welovethebridgeatgmail.com and let us know because I don't think a lot of Americans have as much savings as this article is. My perspective is kind of the opposite. I barely hear about, at least my American friends talk about savings. I think it's one of those cherry picking statistic things because in the, it says in the chamber's november 2022 survey 23 percent of women cited others in the family making enough money so i think 
20, if you reverse that, you could say 77% of women have to work because they don't have enough money from other channels. Mm. So I think that they're taking a little tiny sliver of the data and then making that what the data is about. Yeah. But another one, and this one we're going to refute immediately in the next article. <laughs> it says early retirements, October 2021, the pandemic drove more than 3 million adults into early retirement. And there's an article we're going to read after this about why people who have retired are going back into the workforce. Yeah. So I think maybe the Chamber of Commerce looked at some data, but didn't look at the whole picture. Mm. Next one is lack of access to childcare. And this one makes total 100%. Yeah. This makes sense. Oh, totally. So if you are a, a two-parent family mm. and one of you has got to watch the kids, one of you has got to watch the kids. You can't just leave a five-year-old alone. Yeah. And there's not affordable daycare you can just send your kids to. Yeah. I think this is a global problem for a lot of countries where this is why a lot of women around the world are unable to work because there is lack of um, health or sorry, childcare for kids. And I think this is something that's easy. If you have two or three trained adults, they can handle like 10 or 15 kids. So that would free up a lot more people to go and participate in the economy. Yeah. But it's hard to find that person who could take care of 15 to 20 kids. Is it? What are you kidding me? I did. You that. did that? I can't. I, mean, I would lose my mind. They're so adorable. And then at the end of the day, you send them away. You know, <laughs> I, I try to volunteer at the when I visited, when I did the whole study tour thing. And part of it was to, to just spend a weekend with your homestay parents. The dad was actually a pastor and he took us to his church and it was an international church. And so me and his daughter, we just uh, volunteered at the child care center while the parents were attending their whatever thing. And it was 13. The child care center had, uh, I think, 13 kids and they were magically all like three year olds or something. Kids at the age when they could already understand emotions, but also they can talk and they're loud and they run around and everybody else. I agree. I would have agreed with you for the first 10 minutes of the experience because they were being <laughs> dropped off by their parents and right and we're giving them the little color pens and they were doing stuff and they're all little angels and then this one kid little kid named anthony came in i still remember this is 10 years ago i still remember his name little three-year-old anthony with a tiny little mohawk and he looks so cute came in <laughs> got mad at the fact that his dad left him right started that, that crying happens. right and one kid yeah. starts crying that means all of them are gonna start <laughs> Jason, it was 13 three-year-old kids from different, it was like different races, different like whatever families and different. That amount of crying, I was like, I swear I would. <laughs> you know, the issue that you're having isn't that it wasn't great. It's that you didn't have a system. Oh, like, you wow. Know, it takes, Tell me. It takes a few weeks to develop a relationship <laughs> with your kids and outline what what you expect from them. But eventually you can turn them into like little troopers who just like do whatever you say. Basically. Oh my God. Alex. Sometimes I'll tell you a story yeah. about the worst experience with a child I ever had. Mm. There was a boy who his mother insisted on him going to kindergarten again. And he was six when he started, which is too old. He should have advanced in the yeah. next grade. So like he, his mom was just like, no, I want him to be older when he starts first grade. So he has a strategic advantage. Yeah. We're like, okay, fine. One day he decided to have a meltdown. <laughs> I'm not going to say his name or even the name of the school or even the name of the city where this happened. I don't want to give away his identity, but mm. we 
were all going to recess and he decided not to. So he laid on the floor and rolled around and screamed. Oh my God. Now, the interesting thing is, so I had, I there's two it. of us in the class. She, my, my co-teacher, she marched the other kids out to play in the playground. And so there are going to be multiple adults on the playground supervising. So my job was just to make sure basically that this child didn't hurt himself. It's not to like stop him from having a meltdown. You know, like if he wants to roll on the ground and scream, Let him. there's nothing you can do. You can't restrain him. Oh, it's um, illegal to like grab him and put yeah. him in a chair or put him in. A, it's illegal. So what you have to do is just move dangerous objects like chairs and things out of away his way from uh. him. And then just sit there calmly until he decides to stop. And that's exactly <laughs> oh what God. I did. I was sitting there calmly waiting for him to stop while he was melting down. And my boss came in. She's a professional uh-huh. teacher with like 10, 20 years more experience than yeah. me. And she just had a casual conversation with me and then left because she knew exactly what was happening. Like there was no issue about it because, you know, that's exactly what you have to do. So the worst case scenario is where the kids are crying. Uh-huh. You just grab a book and just start reading to them. Maybe only two kids are listening at first. Five minutes later, you have 10 little glossy eyes staring up at you. Oh, my God. I would not try that. I would have left in like minute two of that whole. Be like, nope, Alex out. Anyway, so yeah, people don't want to do that job, too. So there's a mismatch. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Listening to the bridge. Uh, so another reason people might not be re- returning is new business starts, mm. and then of course it says the great reshuffle, and also categorizes that as the great resignation, with, which is people <laughs> quitting their job. Yeah, this is a real thing. People are like, "Ah, uh, sorry, I don't want to bring people eggs, have them scream at me, and not tip me, and then not make enough money uh-huh. to survive." So I, I'm just not doing that anymore. Yeah. And so all these restaurant owners are like, "Why doesn't anyone want to work here?" It's because you don't pay them enough. Yeah. That is why. <laughs> like you want more employees raise the pay okay yeah. so this next article specifically takes aim at one of the points from the u.s chamber of commerce points this is from business insider uh april of 2023 in Inflation is squeezing some seniors, and it says some, Mm. so it doesn't entirely disagree. Mm. So they're coming out of retirement to work as hosts and cashiers. (laughs) So it's not like the plane plane repair guy or lady. She didn't just retire and leave the workforce. She retired and then came back as something else. And now she works at Walgreens. That's a little... That's a little bit sad. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, yes and no. I feel kind of like when you, yeah, I guess if you have a good plan for retirement, yeah. you know what you, how you're going to spend your time. That's one thing. Yeah. I think a lot of Americans retire and don't do anything. That's just become couch potatoes. So that's dangerous. Yeah. So I almost feel like retirees should have part-time jobs, not because they have to, but because it's good. Especially for if you worked really, really hard in your entire professional life, if you just take such a sudden withdrawal from being busy all day it actually takes a huge toll on your mental health yeah i mean get a nice cozy job at like a cafe is like the concierge yeah you go sit over there yeah i mean <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's this really cool there's a really cool restaurant um restaurant in uh, lower manhattan i think it was on the 13th street or somewhere mm-hmm. i think it's called i could be completely wrong but i think it's called spain but it's a restaurant and mm-hmm. all the waiters there are above 70 year olds and they're, you know, and they walk so slow. 
<laughs> they walk so my eggs are getting cold. I know they walk so slow and they can't really they forget your orders and they they can't really you know express but you know what I actually prefer that to waiters asking me a million times if I need uh, more water and sometimes they're even <laughs> a little mean because they're you know they're at that age where they don't have to worry about what people think of them and so they're just right. very straightforward with what they wanted to say and that became That's a great. signature for that business and I love loved it when i was in new york and then a couple weeks ago when i was in shanghai same thing there's uh you know the shanghai peace hotel which is a, a landmark of uh of, of the bunt on the bunt um we went to this jazz bar because we wanted to be fancy so we went in and the band that was playing the jazz band that was playing was like five i think probably like 70 plus gentlemen as well and they're playing old songs and they're just so adorable and they love what they're doing they're still getting the spotlight on stage and those are great jobs to have, I think, if you want to go back into the workforce. I mean, also, here's the thing. U.S. Chamber, Chamber of Commerce article is saying that we're having a shortage of service industry workers mm. and the people coming out of retirement are going into part-time jobs as service industry employees. Then that kind of patches up some of the need there for the businesses, at least. But it does seem that America is going to need a correction in wages mm. in order to fix some of the issues that are going on. So I think there's a movement and has been, I don't know, since I was a kid to increase the minimum wage to like $15, $20 an hour. <laughs> and it's still a it movement. Still has not, yeah. yeah, it still hasn't been successful. But it's going to get to the point where American society will become unstable unless they do something like that or something else that meets people's needs. Because people you gotta let people needs. live first, you know. Yeah, if, if you have millions of unrestful people because they can't survive in your economy, that's a source of dramatic instability for for the United States. And the United States needs to address those people who are falling through the cracks, like the homeless and, and so forth. And it just can't it can't just keep getting worse. At some point, it's gonna there will be consequences consequences. You know, I've studied history. There always are bread and circuses. If you run mm. out of bread and all you have is circuses left, it's not enough. Yeah. And then this is going to sound so paradoxical, but people who need minimum wage to be raised the most are people who need it the most. Could you, I mean, I, I kind of understood you. Could you say it again? <laughs> and maybe explain it. I, like I, I said, like people, like the whole minimum wage thing is like people who need higher minimum wage are the most are the people who need it the most. It's not like something that we're trying to say we should as society raise people's living standard. Like people who need to have higher minimum wage are people who are struggling to stay right. alive. Like that's right. that's kind of a sad statement to make for me as a society, you know. I also think this about what you said, mm. because people who work minimum wage can't usually survive with one job. So they have like one full time yep. and one part time time or two big part-times or something yep. like that. These are not the people who have time to write letters to their local congresspersons and go protest. They don't have a voice because their voice is spent working. Exactly. So the rest of us need to recognize that our brothers and sisters mm. in, in around the world and in, for me in the United States need help and they're not able to change the system. They're, so we need to kind of help push the system to be changed to save these people. Yeah, exactly. A lot of things we worry about are probably not even something to have time to really 
think to have. So these people who've decided to live with mom and mom takes care of them or whatever, however they worked it out, they have roommates, a sister, you know, like grandpa said it, it's okay to live with him. Is it be, is the reason that they're not going back to work because that there is not enough pay? Do you think that is the answer? Is it that is that easy? Is it that obvious? Probably, right? I, don't, I would imagine that these are the people who had a pretty good uh, education or who had some sort of skills. And then when they look at the job payment, they're just like, why would I bother like this is not what i learned to do like i paid so much more money to get to where i am today and then i'm never gonna get that money back or get my value back by doing a job that pays so little that's maybe that's one way of thinking about it we're not them we don't we can't know for sure i see it exactly like that i mean i kind of see it in my own mind mm-hmm. in my own from my own vantage point just my own perspective i see if i was struggling to survive yeah on a minimum wage job that sometimes i maybe i didn't even get minimum wage because people didn't tip me or whatever. And there were customers were yelling at me. I don't think that I would feel like this is worthwhile. Actually consider homelessness. You know, (laughs) hey, I don't even have to worry. No one's yelling at me. I'm in a tent down by the river. I get to go fishing all day, right? I'm I'm in nature. (laughs) If society wants to include these people, they need, there needs to be some kind of incentive. Yeah. Problem with service jobs in the US is a lot of people are disrespectful to people in those positions. Because they're like, oh, I did my, hey, you didn't do my eggs right send them back or whatever oh my god now that we're speaking can i sorry i never got a chance to talk about this i love watching all of these cooking shows and i love the fact that i love gordon ramsay to death i love that man so charming but every time when they're like oh send this back send this back to the chef like because i wanted a medium well not medium rare or like you know what okay actually i can i can excuse steaks because i get a little particular on steaks as well but (laughs) but always like oh this is too salty or this is too bland or this calamari didn't taste right it's very minor things and they send it back to the restaurant if it's an okay restaurant they come before you or they give you they either just don't charge you or and these again these are not problems that we would do that i would do that a lot of chinese people would only do that if for example we're having seafood and it actually has a pungent smell like you know that it's not um Mm. it's not like clean it's not fresh it has probably gone bad or for example Mm. if you you saw like some kind of bug that which is a you know a concern of food safety or, or food hygiene then we'll send it back we wouldn't be like well this is not sour enough send it back to the kitchen <laughs> and then the chef mm-hmm. comes out and apologize i was like i would i would not come out and apologize but then when i watched the shows i was like you should come out and apologize but in, re- wow. in reality that's something that i don't see here in china and then i just feel like oh my god if you are working as a chef and then you just get your food that people have taken i mean even if they get my order wrong i don't send it back sometimes because i think i i feel for working class people so if like i ordered like eggs and uh, hash browns yeah. with sausage and they send me eggs and, and hash bacon. browns with bacon right i'm just going to be like i guess i'm having bacon sure yeah <laughs> i don't care like really why do i don't understand this attitude of it's just really frustrating for me yeah. that people treat other people so disrespectfully and then they're expected to work for the lowest wages in all of society while they're taking the heat from all the people complaining about things it's very right very and usually when no you wonder people don't want to take these yeah jobs. and usually when you do get the complaints from the customers asking you to send stuff back that's when you get like fewer gets what well, that's when you get smaller tips 
And, make and then work. also you get the management, they're incentivized to make the customer happy because they want the customer to be repeat customers so that they can make more money. So they're going to so take money. So side yeah. do they take? They take the customer exactly. side, which makes the service person feel bad because maybe they didn't even make a mistake oftentimes, but someone, anyways, we're getting too deep into this. <laughs> wow. Oh yeah. You're listening to The Bridge. I wanted to talk about the elderly. Yeah. What kind of jobs would you want if you were retired and you needed a little extra money and you're coming back into the workforce part time? What kind of jobs are suitable? Mm, I would say if you're someone with skills, you should be like a master, not a master, but like teaching jobs, I would say casual teaching jobs. Mm, like teaching a skill. Yeah. For example, if you're a painter, you don't have to be an amazing painter. You can just open a, a painting class for other adults who have, mm. you know, they don't need to, they're not learning to become the next Picasso. They just want to learn for fun. Right. And then mm. there's not that much responsibility on your shoulder to bring them to a certain level. You can just teach for fun and they enjoy their time. And then community services, I think they'll love that as well. Yeah, I love the idea. I, I In China, for those people who don't know, we've talked about this a lot of times on the show. A lot of retirees go out and like direct traffic or like watch a certain intersection or like maybe they actually deliver groceries to people that are even older than them. Mm. I love this idea and I would absolutely love to do this when I retire. But in addition to that, Alex, mm. and I know I, this is going to go against everything that you uh -oh. think, I'd love to go back into teaching those little oh kids who will scream and hey, cry. Hey, you know what? If, if it's for elderly, it actually... I mean, when I'm retired... Is it maybe volunteer, you know, like I've always worked for rich kids. So I would love to go to like a poor neighborhood and, you know, like in the countryside where they don't have access to the same t level of teaching quality, maybe and teach there for free. Or yeah, for yeah, yeah. Free, you, you know, know there, there are these programs that pair uh, young kids with retired uh, seniors together. And I think they actually have a better time together than they do, than the kids do with their parents. I was in Xinjiang and uh, I was at a school in one of the poorest communities. It was a place called Pishan and they had built this amazing school for, with money from Anhui. Anhui province had given this school an enormous amount of money so that these poor children who were living in like, you know, almost desert-like conditions could attend this very high quality school. And the teachers there were doing a good job. I'm not complaining about them. I'm not trying to say anything bad. They were doing a very good job. But I could also see myself wanting to work there. Mm. I was like, wow, look at all these children who are like really smart. And they're learning amazingly well with yeah. this, in this amazing school. But they are going to have such better opportunities than their parents did. And I would love to be a part of a program like that, where I get to be in a class that helps a generation change their entire family lineage. You know, yeah. uh, that mm -hmm. would be so cool. I'm thinking of like a Modesto Oakdale. That's where the kind of hometowns <laughs> that I've been in. The reality of those elderly people is most jobs are not going to hire them easily. So if they're a member of like a church, like Baptists or Jehovah's Witnesses or whatever, yeah. they could probably finagle their way into some kind of front desk position. Yeah. But the reality is a lot of them would just end up working service jobs. So like fast food. And you do see that. You go into McDonald's in different countries, not just America. I'm not picking on them. Mm. And you see these really old people working in kind of fast food jobs sometimes mm. you know, along with younger people as mm. well 
I mean, that just those jobs require so much physical strength in it as well. I just heard when I think about uh, senior citizens taking those jobs, they're like, oh, I don't want them to. I want them to go back to the workforce and do something that's more yeah, I mean, fun. That's what we want. You know? you know, in California specifically, there's a bylaw in the California state law that says that you need to reasonably accommodate your workers. Mm-hmm. Usually that means people in like a wheelchair, for example. So if you have a, an elderly 70 year old woman working the front counter at McDonald's, you should let her have longer breaks or, you know, yeah, of course, let her take take more time in the restroom and stuff like that than your other younger employees who have pimples. But, but at the same time, like, you know, those are the kind of realistic jobs that a lot of elderly. Yeah, because they're not. I mean, it's one thing to fill your kind of emptiness after you retire. It's another thing if it's uh, if you have to go back to the workforce to make money to make ends meet. listening to The Bridge. I want to talk about China because we are the bridge. right? Mm. So I want to talk about the elderly. Now here in China, if I understand it correctly, and this may change soon, but women are retiring typically around 50 and men are retiring typically around 60. I do, however, sometimes see older people working like at the grocery Mm. store and stuff. Mm. Is that just because they want extra money? What do you think that's about? So it depends. Uh, Right now, it's going to change soon. But right now, basically all women are going to, they can work and until the age of 55. Oh, they can't. They can't. If you're can. a labor woman, like if you're a woman working in, you know, the labor sector, like if you work in the, the factory, in a textile factory, you can retire at the age of 50 because that's, it takes a great mm. toll on your physical condition and men have to mm. work until uh, 60. And then of course, if you are, if you're a male, but you work, for example, you work on a mine um, or if you work in very high wow. temperature environment or you work in, you know, those people who clean the toll buildings and they have to be oh. if you work in any of those dangerous environment then you can retire at 55 mm-hmm. like you work a little you really? retire a little a little earlier yeah, yeah yeah so i gotta go i'm turning the show off i'm gonna go get a job yeah. <laughs> doing i can retire in 10 years what are you talking i'm bye goodbye no, 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 I, I, this show was so much fun i'll talk to you guys yeah, someday yeah when i'm 70 <laughs> when i have nothing to do so but anyways this is the retiring age but a lot of people because you could see those so-called senior citizens working in the grocery stores they have so mm-hmm. much energy like there's yeah. nothing else to, like i mean i don't want to i also want to say before you can finish i apologize i've been interrupting a lot um i also see tons and tons and tons and tons of retirees just playing at the park all day every day so it's not like there's an endemic i just mean occasionally yeah, occasionally exactly these um they also <laughs> dance and they also crack crack the whips and they do other stuff and the parks fishing, and fishing 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 yeah by the canals everywhere yeah but because for example like my um it's my aunties my mom's family they're like my god they're in the 60s where they have so much energy mm. it just so happened that they live in the countryside if they live in the mm. city i imagine like my mom's youngest sister she's 57 58 or something mm. theoretically she should have retired three years ago but she's like Mm. I I don't want to retire. <laughs> like, I want to keep working. So there are places that could hire, rehire retired workers to do other jobs. I'm not exactly sure about the social securities and other stuff because technically, uh, once you reach the retirement age and once you go through with the retirement process at your workplace, then you're set for as long as you live, you have like money coming in from the government to pay for your you mm. know basic living needs and, and all of that. Like for example, my dad who retired almost two years ago 
because he worked in the education system for his entire year. He is very well covered in his sixties uh, now that he's retired. Mm. Um, it mm-hmm. varies from different industries, but it's just some people just can't stay still, so they want to do things. But once you get a new job, I don't think you get the same. Like you don't have to repay your pension and social benefits and stuff because it's already being issued by the government. So you can get pension plus pay. Uh, yes. Wow. But the pay is probably not as big, but you can't get pension plus pay. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> I, 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 okay, I, I wanted to talk about another issue. This was brought up by a former guest from several months mm. ago, uh, Sir Gilbert uh, Von Kerkova. Mm. And he mentioned that, I'm sorry, Mr. Mr. Von Kerkova, it turns out that you were mistaken. He, he was frustrated that women doctors and medical professionals wouldn't be able to continue using their skills until later ages. And what but I, I was very concerned when he said this. I was like, oh, that is a very good point. So I asked like two dozen Chinese people yeah. about this. And the consensus I got from them, and I'm not an expert on this, so I don't know, but is that these people can continue to work. Mm. What they do is when they get to retirement age, usually they're given uh, more pay. So the hospital in question, because they need like a pediatrics brain surgeon, right? This woman, she spent all her life going to college. She graduated at 28. She's a medical doctor. She's been performing surgery for 22 years. It's retirement age. Mm. Now the hospital oh, you're 50, they have to pay her more because she's at retirement age to incentivize her to keep working for the next five or 10 years so that they can continue to utilize her unique and important skill set for society. So that's interesting to me that in order to facilitate people stay not jumping into pension and living in Senya or whatever, <laughs> like they actually pay them more. Mm, that's very interesting. Because I mean, imagine those kinds of people, you know, like obviously a carpenter retires I don't care how good you are. Some other carpenter can do that. But if you're yeah. like a pediatric brain surgeon, there's not a lot of you and you are in critical need to keep people alive. Then you'll probably go into teaching, right? I think a lot of, at least, I don't know about China, but at least in America, I do know in Chinese medical systems, if you're a great surgeon or a great doctor, you do get hired back after your retirement to teach or sometimes even do clinical, uh, what do you call that, clinical hours to, to just consult and people come in and tell them what's wrong. But in American medical TV shows, which I've watched a lot of, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yes, I love them. I love those shows. They get those older doctors to come back and teach, right? Younger doctors. And it's actually better because when the younger, when the, when do you call, what do you call those? The interns come in, they look at their residents. They're like, oh my God, you're not that much older than me. You don't like, you know, they have that little attitude, but you put like a really old doctor in there who has all the wisdom in the world that shows in their gray hair. And they're just like, you're doing it wrong. And they will just listen. Well, in America, you can choose not to retire. Just choose in any profession and nothing changes. You can just keep going. If you're in a specific field, like you're a surgeon and your hands are shaking, they'll Mm. retire you from that. They'll make you do something else immediately, even if you're younger. So in the medical profession, it's very special because there are special needs. Um, But in most professions, if you just want to keep working, no one's going to stop you. And usually you can get more money from pension Mm. because pension works differently there by working later in life. So if you don't want to retire until you're 72 or 73 or whatever, you can do that. And that's perfectly fine in the American system. Mm. It's up to you. 
Yeah, but you should, you cannot retire early. I think in both systems. Yeah. But in America, retirement's 68, I think it is now for people in my generation because it's different for different generations. Wow. It's been going up. So for Americans, both male and female, if you want to retire with all of your benefits and whatever, and you want to get what they call full benefits, you have to wait until 68. Mm, wow. I You know, we joke about if we have to retire later in our lives and then everybody has to stay in the workforce to even just pay for their survival. And then we are still working in the tech industry we're in our 60s and we're just like oh sorry uh, uh Jay- in my day we didn't have optics uh, that you could use jason on my team <laughs> just to go get his uh, blood pressure tested <laughs> but he'll come back uh this afternoon uh with with an iv but he will give you the sop that you needed for sure and then we can just sit down together do a post-mortem oh wait <laughs> That's hey, by the time i'm 68 in china We'll be able to just upload our consciousness into some sort of machine. Mm, I won't even need a That's true. Anymore. That's true. Uh, you only need your mind or people only need your mind. As long as you can think, you can work. What is that new toy that Apple just released? It's not the Oculus. That was Facebook, uh, right? What is the, it called? I forgot what it's called, but it's a new XR It's headset. great for scuba diving. What? It's great for scuba diving. You just need the breather. Oh my gosh. So you, <laughs> you could soak yourself <laughs> in your bathtub and just like... I mean, it looks like that. It looks like huge diver goggles. It does. It does. And then you could just like, if you could get into a pool and then watch like scuba diving videos. That's the answer yeah. for retired workers. They can work from home and do stuff with the Oculus or, or whatever that yeah. is, you know, like they could, because they could remote work and do thinking work. They could cold call customers and ask them if, you know, they want to try the new barbecue. Yeah. And they could always teach kids uh, <laughs> English if they want. <laughs> I don't even know if that's going to be a feasible job for anyone in the future. I think maybe we're getting we're getting very close to replacing some teaching with computers. I know some I know a man who lives in Wuhan. He's from America and he wants his kid to have an American style education. So he enrolled him in an online academy. Uh-huh. And that online academy which is through America doesn't have teachers. It is completely operated by AI. Oh no. So as his kid is moving through the work, the AI and the algorithm are determining what level of work he should do. So it, it moves him like up in math or down in math, up in English and down in English based on his performance on the assessments and his absorption of the information oh in my the, God. as he interfaces with the computer. Yeah. Wow. I'm just waiting for the bad cases to come up with all of these AI teaching that it can't <laughs> accurately assess the learning of learning result of a kid we'll see what uh, people yeah, say that of course absolutely well they, they even say ai cars are in america in the united states i think tesla i don't want to say for sure so uh this is hearsay a bit but i heard in a couple of articles that it doesn't recognize some african-american oh people god and it hits them. so oh my uh, god that is horrible we're talking about ai here you would assume that it would recognize a human as a human as a human but there's some kind of bias built into programming based what on the way the? it learned oh wow so that is something that I mean, AI still has a long way to go. Anyways, that is all the time we have. If you want to email us and tell us everything we said that was awesome or the opposite, you can email <laughs> us at welovethebridge at gmail.com and we would love to read your comments. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, Jason. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. Thank you.